I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. What's up, everybody? Uh, hey, it's the Wong Takes uh, on this uh, beautiful Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. Uh, first of all, obviously, we are in a crazy time, and I hope that everyone is safe and doing well. Um, it's, it's not easy for any of us, but, you know, you've all heard this a million times from, uh, other shows and TV commercials and things like that, so I won't, I won't get into all of that, but, um, you know, stay safe, everyone, uh, and I hope you can enjoy, uh, this little bit of time. I'm coming to you today not as the start of a new season or anything, I mean, uh, you know, it, it, there's no sports going on right now, uh, so... Why am I here? And the reason is because I, I want to talk about The Last Dance, the uh, Bulls documentary of the, well, it was advertised as the 98 season, but it really was uh, all of Michael Jordan's career and that, that uh, mid-90s Bulls team. And I just, I had some thoughts on it and I felt like I wanted to share them. Uh, so here I am. Let me adjust my mic real quick a little bit. Uh, and it's, it's weird for me and I'll get in more into this later, but you know, I didn't grow up in that time period of when the bulls were at their, during this run. And it was pretty cool for me to see a lot of this footage for the first time, but I'll do more of that later. Um, but I thought it was a, a really, first of all, coming into it, I was skeptical about this because I, I've seen the only other 10 hour documentary series I've seen, uh, was OJ made in America years ago. And that was really well done because of, it took a singular, what people were expecting was this sort of singular moment in time, right? And they stretched it back and forward and the actual car chase and trial and things like that were only about maybe an hour of screen time. And the last dance was going to be interesting because you had it advertised it sort of as this similar experience where you have you're focusing on this one moment in time uh, or not focusing on it. But you have this one moment in time, which is the 98 season when you say you have all this footage and stuff like that. Um, But it ends up reaching, in this case, just back. Uh, So I thought that was interesting, but I thought what ESPN could have done better uh, was maybe advertise it, not as a look at the last dance, but really an entire run. And I realized that there was really no way to contextualize it without going into the entire run. But I didn't, I was really skeptical coming in because I was like, what, what, you're just going to show me 10 hours of one basketball season? Uh, And if I had known the whole time that it was a documentary about Michael Jordan and and all six championships. I, I probably would have been more inclined to watch it in the first place. But um, ESPN did do a smart thing in moving it up because it was originally supposed to start airing, I think, around now. Um, but they chose to start airing it back in early to mid-April. And so it ended right about now. And I think that was definitely a smart move, and it was really the reason that I started watching from the beginning was because back then, you know, now we've got UFC coming back, we've got NASCAR coming back, I mean, California just announced they want to start having sports by early June, 
So we're we're starting to get some of this back, but in mid-April, you know, we hadn't had sports for a month, and just the fact that there was some scheduled block of programming that we would all be watching together uh, was really alluring, and um, it was really the re- the impetus behind the reason I watched in the first place. And so that was a really smart move, moving it up. Um, and, you know, the, the documentary, as it was airing, sparked a lot of conversation and, and internet memes and, and everything. And it, it really did, uh, it really did make a big impact. But I think a lot of that in the future, you know, anytime we talk about, oh, was this well made? Did it impact a generation? Did it influence anyone? Any of that cultural relevance talk has to be acknowledged with time period. You know, if this aired when it was uh, originally slated to, uh, or even if, you know, if, if we still had sports right now, you know, it'd be running against the playoffs and running against, or not running directly against, but running around the same period as the basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs, um, you know, baseball. And so it wouldn't have had nearly the, uh, the screen time and impact, I think, if if it had been running against those other sports. And I think that's where ESPN got a little bit lucky, or or rather the the group that produced this got a little bit lucky because really their documentary was the sole or uh, one of the few talking points for a period of about three weeks before we really started to get a lot of this uh, up and running again. And so I think any time we're going to be talking about this in the future, the context of when it aired is going to be important and, and, and the, the surroundings uh, of in the sports landscape. Now, as for the documentary itself, uh, first of all, it was really entertaining. Uh, as a and like I said, I'll get more into this later. But as as a new as a as a younger person, um, it was really cool to see all that footage for the first time. And there's been a lot of, or not a lot, but some amount of criticism for it being really more of a biography than a documentary in the true sense of the word. You know, a, a documentary is supposed to uh, make you think about something in the real world or analyze something in a new light. You know, the the filmmaker wants to tell, I think there's a quote from Michael Moore that says like, you're not a documentarian, you're a filmmaker. There, there has to be a per there. There's a purpose to a documentary. And I honestly don't really know what it was like, because at the end of the day, the, the unifying thread that came down to this wasn't some sort of motif of you know friendship or teamwork or whatever it was really just this is Michael Jordan and this is what he did and this is how he grew up and this is who surrounded him and so that honestly really makes it more of a biography and I think Ken Burns uh, made news when he said something about how you know this isn't really a documentary because Michael Jordan had so much influence on how he was presented and that's not really a documentary because you get you you lose that investigative part, right? It's really Michael Jordan telling his own story, and there's nothing wrong with that per se, um, and and I agree with that a hundred percent. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, it drew big ratings. I I think it had a big, or it, had, it was reviewed well. It was received well by the public. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't bashed. It wasn't. And I think a lot of that was because they, and one thing that really 
exacerbated the fact that it was a biography was that, you know, they touched on the little things, you know, the gambling and the, and even that little bit with the food poisoning at the end, uh, you know, they touched on that, but they didn't really challenge anything. There wasn't any, you know, new information. I mean, Michael Jordan's going, I didn't have a gambling problem. And, you know, that might be true. He might not have a gambling problem. Uh, but other than, you know, a couple of side remarks from reporters about, you know, storylines at the time, there wasn't really any challenges to any of that information or no investigations or anything like that. And while that may have been warranted, I mean, it's, it's hard, it's hard to tell. Cause I wasn't around during that time. You know, if I was around during that time, I'd probably be able to weed out, you know, which stories should have gotten more screen time because they were more legitimate and which weren't. And I wasn't, so I don't know. It, it could have been that all of these things were ridiculous. You know, he, if I was around at the time, maybe I think, you know, of course he didn't have a gambling problem or of course yada, 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 but I wasn't there. So I don't know. But for people who were there, I, it's really their call as far as, and I'll have to read more, but as far as should these things have gotten more screen time would have been appropriate uh, for them to have dug deeper than they, than Jason Hare and, and company did. Um, but, you know, even despite all that and despite, uh, all of the flaws you could have with with the documentary. I enjoyed it because, and I, I can't stress this enough, the floor as far as how this documentary was going to be received was as high as any film you could have made because the source material is just so, so good. I mean, you've got uh, decades of basketball, elite basketball footage and behind the scenes stuff of Michael Jordan. And oh yeah, the, the, the decision to have the uh, uncensored version was great. I love that. Um, but to have like the, I mean, I'm stuck on the last few episodes because I just saw it a few days ago, but you know, the interaction between Michael Jordan and Larry Bird, you know, F you, but it's like playful, uh, really showed a, was just absolute amazing stuff for basketball nerds. Um, but I, the, the, the source material was so good that you were going to have a good show regardless of if I could have produced it and people would have, even if they might not have loved it, would have really enjoyed it just because of how good the games were and how good the interactions were and how much access they had. Uh, even in the season before, I mean, you could, to a certain extent, you could hardly tell that they had, all this extra footage from the 98 season because they, they had so much footage from the seasons before too. Um, but from a, from a critical point of view, um, as far as the entertainment value, there were really two audiences and that this, this is really kind of the case. Anytime you have any conversation related to Michael Jordan, right? You have the people who, or, um, I don't know. What's the phrase for this? Like, were aware of their surroundings at a time, or really followed Michael Jordan during that time. And then there's the audience of people who were born after that time, like me, um, or who were really young at that time and really couldn't understand what was going on. And for the older people, I mean, it's, I, I on, it's really tough. Like, why was this made? Because if it really wasn't made for people who grew up in that area, other than for nostalgia purposes. Right. I mean, 
you grew up with that. It was the structure of it was more or less just going through the time period, right, and going through the games. I mean, there wasn't too much extra narrative. That was the that was the main primary grounding narrative, and so for that, it was really just you know being nostalgic, looking back, enjoying the basketball for what it was. But for the newer audience, uh, from my point of view at least, you know, I grew up knowing Michael Jordan as greatest player of all time, the guy who was really good for some reason because he was just, he was Michael Jordan, you know, and that's where the, the sort of Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan. There's really, there's, that's just how you explain it. Kind of gets lost on younger people sometimes because we, we didn't, we, we don't know what that means. Right. We don't know why Michael Jordan became Michael Jordan. And I think a lot of this documentary was telling why, who, who, what that word means when you say that's Michael Jordan-esque or Michael Jordan was the greatest because he was Michael Jordan. That means, you know, competitiveness and just this drive to be the best and to work at it and to drag people along with you. And I think that's what if there was a singular narrative to take away from this, it's that it's telling people this is who Michael Jordan is in the eyes of Michael Jordan. And this is what Michael Jordan wants to be remembered by. And, you know, there's all of this pomp surrounding it. And, you know, you've obviously, you've got Pippen and Rodman and Tony Kukoc and Steve Kerr and all that. But at the end of the day, this Bulls team was Michael Jordan first. And, and, and the story of the Bulls is the story of how Michael Jordan wants to be remembered as a basketball fan to see the level of competition there was uh, back then. And I thought the basketball scenes, the basketball scenes I think were the best scenes uh, in the documentary, especially the sound, man, the soundtrack was really good. I mean, I love nineties hip hop, but like to put, it really is the perfect soundtrack for that era. Uh, and watching, you know, high flying action, but also great defense and, uh, enforcers in the middle that you don't really see as much anymore and just looking at some of the scores as you see like it is like is a blowout and it's like a 12 point game or i mean I'm, I'm sure they just did it for narrative purposes but in game seven of the 1998 eastern conference finals and reggie miller's like you know if we went up five with six minutes left the game was over you know that type of stuff and you know there there probably some exaggeration but still uh, there had to be some truth to it that momentum in that day and age uh had to be grasped and it was it was just hard to it was a lot harder to score i mean you didn't have the maybe perimeter shooting that we have today where the floor is so spaced out and uh you can you can go down low without getting absolutely pummeled and so watching that basketball uh was just really fun and i thought they they did a good job of using that using the footage that they had to create a compelling a compelling i guess visual with the basketball i mean having that you know 80 percent speed with it's it's like kind of slow-mo but not really like you see with that old nfl footage where they're throwing the ball and it's it's slow but you're still you still feel the pace of the game and the speed of the game uh the fact that they use that footage liberally uh, i thoroughly enjoyed but I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to kind of overall. 
I, like I mentioned earlier, I think people are going to take different things away from this. I mean, for the for the older generation, it's a lot of nostalgia uh, for even uh, even those on ESPN. But non-sports fans could take away learning about the era for young fans too, learning about the era and learning about Michael Jordan and maybe seeing the softer side of him. But I I, I still and I, I mentioned this earlier, but I'm I still don't exactly know what they wanted people to take away from this. You know, you know what I mean? Like I I I said that this was sort of Michael Jordan and how he wanted to be represented. So I I mean I guess but usually there's some sort of point being made and I'm not exactly sure what that point is. Was it is it sort of a defense of Michael Jordan that you know that he did what he had to do because he wanted to elevate people to be his best? Was it that the Bulls were really good and this is why they were really good? Because they didn't, you know, they didn't talk at what was an interesting choice, I thought. They didn't even acknowledge Michael Jordan's wizard years, yet they did acknowledge, they spent a a decent amount of time on his time in, in UNC and they spent a decent amount of time on his time in baseball. I mean, the amount of time they spent talking about the Bulls in 94 was a lot less, if I remember correctly, then they spent talking about Michael Jordan and baseball. So this clearly was a Michael Jordan-focused movie. And yet they didn't talk about... They didn't spend much time on, you know, once Phil left, he decided to retire, and what was he like? And I, I thought that that's what they were going to spend maybe the last 20 minutes on was just talking about, you know, I, I went to this, and I went to the Wizards, and I saw that it wasn't the same culture or whatever, um, and then I had to retire again, and whatever, whatever. But... They just stopped at the Bulls, and so that made it seem like, you know, it was a Bulls documentary, um, and the, the, the closing bit about um, how the Bulls fell apart, right? Everyone was traded or released or whatever. And so that made it, the framing seemed like a Bulls documentary, whereas the entire, you know, 10 hours before, it really seemed like a Michael Jordan document documentary, so... What exactly were the producers behind this trying to say? I'm not really sure. But um, that being said, you know, that doesn't mean it wasn't really entertaining. Um, It was really fun to watch and learn um, and just really absorb what I was seeing. Um, and And appreciate not only Michael Jordan, but, you know, Pippen and Rodman. Boy, Dennis Rodman was crazy. Uh huh. You know, everyone's saying, uh, what a side, side note here, everyone's saying, what would Dennis Rodman do in the uh, TMZ paparazzi social media era? I don't think he'd be allowed to get away with, like, nearly the same amount of stuff that he did then, just because I, I think he wouldn't want to. Because back then, you know, if you went out and did whatever, you know, you weren't going to get followed and hassled and your phone wasn't going to be blowing up by uh, thousands of people. You know, at the worst, you just had some some tablets coming after you. But now I feel like it's such a hassle to do anything out of the norm uh, with regard to, you know, the the media that it just would have been too much of a hassle to go do what he did. Um, That being said, you know, he's lived a full life. Um, But anyway, so I, I came away with an appreciation of not only that Bulls team, but, you know, uh, the other teams that went up against them, the Knicks. Uh, with Patrick Ewing and they, the uh, an interesting omission was actually because they only won the championships while 
Michael Jordan was at baseball. The Houston Rockets of that time with Akeem Olajuwon. Um, and then, of course, the Jazz in those last two years with Stockton and Malone. So this really was a period where, even though there is no basketball, I got to learn a, a lot about what that era was like and who ran it and just sort of the culture and how... Because I've grown up in an era where, where the NBA is omnipresent and people are really seriously having conversations about how it's becoming more of a cultural phenomenon than football. And to think back then that, especially before, you know, 92 and all of that, it didn't have nearly the cultural influence. The idea of having games in China or Europe or Africa, or not Europe because they already have basketball, but like China or Africa like they do now was just uh, unheard of, you know, and to watch the cultural expansion, I think, is also another storyline. And and David Stern, uh, rest in peace, of course, was kind of the, in his interviews, was kind of the exemplar of that, watching that transition of the NBA from, you know, a league just struggling to survive to a league that became iconic and with players that became iconic. I mean, Michael Jordan laid the groundwork for the LeBron Jameses of the world, where they can become social media influencers and really have a voice of power. Um, a lot of that is owed to Michael Jordan. And so, you know, there's just a lot of, I guess, layers to what happened uh, around the last dance, and they could have gone into even more. I mean, obviously that you could have gone more into that 94 season beyond just, you know, Phil did good coaching and Scotty uh, had a, came into his own sort of, uh, but, you know, I don't know if there's, there's a reason that documentaries aren't usually 10 hours long. And that's because there, there has to be some editing done or anyone can take a bunch of footage and put it together but it takes a really good director and team to produce a compelling narrative in a shorter amount of time and to tell a story where you include just the most important or riveting parts. Um, and I think, you know, that that's why you don't have 20-hour, 10-hour documentaries. Um, but in this case, uh, like I said earlier, I mean, the source material was just so compelling uh, that you kind of had to include it all. Uh, I mean, even, you know, skipping games five and six, of the 1998 Eastern Conference Finals just showed, you know, they still had to do some editing and there was so much there um, to enjoy that uh, you kind of had to. And so this was a, overall, um, this really entertaining documentary. I I loved watching it. I probably, no, I don't know if I'm going to watch it again uh, anytime soon, but uh, given the circumstances and given all of, you know, back to the real world, all of what's going on right now, this was a much-needed release for every sports fan, and even probably for some non-sports fans, uh, just to sit together and just talk about something. You know, I've been watching ESPN these last few months, and, you know, I, I gotta say, they're doing a better job than I thought uh, of, of handling this. You know, I've really enjoyed watching all of these old games. You know, I've, I was never really a person who watched uh, games again, after they happened in real time, just because I didn't think it was the same. But now that there's nothing else on, uh, I can really appreciate the drama surrounding, uh, you know, watching like the 2017 finals again, or the 2018 finals again, 
uh, or hell, even the 2019 finals. Watching, I watched uh, Game Five uh, when the Warriors staved off elimination in Toronto just a week ago on I think NBA TV, and so now I can I can watch those again and really uh really enjoy it. But anyway, you know, the Last Dance really was something that came at the perfect time, and I think uh, ESPN loves that. We as sports fans love that. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that it will be remembered by, as, you know, along with being the story, the definitive story of Michael Jordan. I mean, how do you make anything about Michael Jordan after this? Um, but anyway, so that's just what I wanted to share about The Last Dance. And this is just, you know, a one-off podcast. Uh, I'm not going to, probably not going to be coming back anytime soon just because there's nothing going on. And uh, maybe football season, we'll see. Uh, I still have yet to figure that out, but... Um, as I sign off, I hope everyone's doing okay. Stay safe. Uh, and I hope you all enjoyed the last dance, uh, like I did. Uh, so now you can, with all this free time, listen to, uh, archives of the long takes, or if you're looking for something that's a little more evergreen back when, uh, back when I was still at school, you know, the real students of Berkeley, uh, bit.ly slash Berkeley pod or a podcast I did with Alex, a friend of mine, uh, pick what bit.ly slash pick one pod. So there's plenty of listening opportunities. If for some reason you're starving for more of my content. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening everyone. Uh, and I hopefully will see you sometime, uh, in the future.